Welcome to Made In, podcast about Asian Canadian stories told by Asian Canadians. Each episode, we share stories about navigating through life as Asian Canadian women in Toronto. Hi guys, we're back. Hi. Hi. So the, today we have a really special episode because the most special. something <laughs> else is happening today. And uh, Jazzy, take it away. Yeah, I mean, I guess we teased it the last time uh, in our last episode, um, but we have a very special guest with us she (laughs) is notoriously for being late but she makes up for it for her charming charismatic personality whenever she shows up um this is my friend sophie hi i'm so excited to be here and also so not surprised that i was introduced with an insult so that just sums it up she's late if it if it makes anyone feel better she was only five minutes late today from the call time that she was supposed to be here so So, it's a big progress and it's also, you know, just the three of us. It's a cute production, so we'll make... We're okay. Yeah, we're fine, we're fine. I even made her a smoothie, so I think she forgave me. <laughs> but um, the importance of why Sophie's here is she is... How, how would you, like, describe yourself? Or, like, what's your... Uh, yeah, I mean, in simple terms, I'm half Chinese. My mom is full Chinese. And then I'm half white. My dad's sort of like a Euromat, English, Irish, Scottish. Mm. Um, so I identify as half, mixed, papa, whatever. Is there, like, a... A PC term to describe a mixed race or like half whatever. Honestly, like I'm anything, anything half mixed. Cause like I was like kind of going through, and I was like, how would I introduce Sophie or like what that be? And like I guess obviously like I'm not half at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was wondering if there's any like a political correct term or like is there anything you get offensed uh, like offensive by offended by if someone calls you like half banana? Like are you a banana? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, I actually, like, that don't even hate that. Banana. I love the term. Yeah. Um, actually, there's, honestly, there's there's nothing. I think that there's some things that, like, maybe myself and my sister, who obviously is also half, and also half other half-friends call ourselves that no one else is allowed to call us. Like, sometimes I call myself a mudblood. What's that? Oh, <laughs> like, in Harry Potter, like half-mortal. Uh, half <laughs> obviously, my white side is my mortal side, yeah, and my mom's God. a witch. <laughs> but, like, no one else can say that. Yeah. But there's really nothing that anyone's ever said that's offensive to I've, me. I've, like, never watched Harry Potter, so I didn't get that what? reference. Yeah, I read the book, but it was an interesting time when Harry Potter came out. I was, like, just moving to Canada, so, like, I couldn't commit to reading all in Korea or all in English. So, mm. yeah, it was just, anyway, side story. Okay. Um, but I guess, like, obviously, we wanted to have Sophie on to talk about, like, Evie and I obviously shared our sentiment about, like, what it's like being, like, 100% Asian, Korean, um, Chinese in Toronto. But, like, I can't even imagine what kind of, you know, obstacles or things that you could have faced being half Asian, maybe not being able to identify as fully Asian or fully white. And like, for me, I've shared before, even growing up watching TV, I knew I couldn't look like American Ashley, but mm. then maybe half of you were like, wait, half of me can, but like, what am I? Mm-hmm. Do you have any like thoughts about growing up? What was it like? I mean, I feel like there is an interesting experience that happens in a lot of mixed rates mixed race kids lives and I can't speak for anyone obviously but yeah I think that right now I strongly identify as Chinese though I'm obviously mixed I think that the first thing that people see when they see me and even the first thing that I offer to people is that I am Chinese but I think I spent a lot of time um really wanting to downplay that fact which mm-hmm. is sort of an interesting thing to do when obviously people listening to this might not know what I look like but I'm pretty obviously half Asian descent 
You should definitely go creep her on Instagram. <laughs> Sophie F. Coleman. I'm just waiting for the shout out. Give but thank her you. a follow. <laughs> oh, okay. But Continue. yeah, it was, I think I spent a lot of time, especially growing up in um, sort of the community I did. In I, Vancouver. Which was what? In Vancouver. And I would say now that I'm in Toronto, it's been really interesting to hear your experiences. But yeah, I grew up on in a, like a sort of an affluent suburb of Vancouver where there was no shortage of... Um, Blondes? No shortage of blondes, but also no short, short of, like, Asian, Asian people. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's interesting because people, you know, assume that because there is a big Asian culture in mm-hmm. Vancouver that it would feel a little bit easier to be someone who toes both lines. But I actually found it really polarizing. Like, the Asian community is quite insular. Like, a yes. lot of, um, in my schools, there would be a lot of groups that were, like, primarily Asian that I wasn't like Asian enough to be in Mm -hmm, um so I had a lot of of my friend groups were primarily white but always recognizing that I was kind of like an other in this white group so I think a sentiment that a lot of mixed kids will say and even like half black kids will say this too or like any sort of mix is I've like felt like not Asian enough to be Asian but not like white enough to be white I've heard that a lot yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) I mean people like there is a lot of feeling like people will quote-unquote let you be whatever is convenient to them like I've had times when people would sort of be like oh you're so westernized you're not even Asian Mm -hmm. blah blah take that away from me but I've even had recent recent sorry I've had recent experiences in the past couple years where I've joked about white people being sort of a white person myself Mm -hmm. um and had white friends be offended by it and want to take away the fact that I'm able to joke about that um and and, that's a fine line and flip it on me and be like how would you feel if I made jokes about Asian people but and I'm not. like but if you were half Asian <laughs> yeah. like all good like yeah, yeah. so it, it's a lot of I think growing up it was a big thing for me feeling like yeah I just sort of in along. the middle yeah uh one of the stories you told me when you were younger was um you had to dip into your Barbie fund mm-hmm. yeah, yeah was a const- so she was in like a Barbie commercial mm-hmm. when she was really Ooh, young nice. and I remember you telling me like you know oh. like it was really great opportunity because like at that time there wasn't that many like half Asians that mm-hmm. looked really unique to her yeah uh, which is kind of want to want to lead into asking is like mm. I feel like now that you're like what in late 20s mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. um and like in our generation we were so, super vocal and like trying to be more woke to like what our culture is now there's more representation like totally. what was that even like growing up to like you literally had no one to even look up to except for like Vanessa Hudgens <laughs> oh yeah yeah who isn't even like people don't even really recognize exactly. her yeah um I don't know I think it was kind of comp Complicated, and I think it remains to be complicated. I think that our generation, we probably have the most like half Asian friends yes. and know the most half Asian people. Like it just became sort of okay, not stigmatized in yeah. the past couple, in the past generation, mm-hmm. to, for you know a white person to be having a child with someone of another race. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were p- more people that looked like me, um, and I was sort of fortunate to be born to that time. But I definitely even as excited as I was for things like that Barbie commercial, which happened when I was like 12 or 11, like pretty like pivotal developmental Mm -hmm. years is I got, I sort of got this impression in my head that I was like, you're okay. I but I was as Asian as was okay. I was like approachably Asian, like Mm -hmm. people's and it at the time I, and I'm sure you two can identify with this when you're young, you just like want to be normal. So I didn't like think about why that was problematic. Why I was like, as Asian was okay. Mm -hmm. Like, and I read something um, that Zendaya said recently, who's half black, saying that she's excited to represent black women in 
TV and film, but she's disappointed that she's what a black woman looks like to people. She's like, I'm mixed. Right. So I I think I spent a lot of time, and that opportunity especially was like, was sort of a pivotal time that told me like, I was as Asian as was like, okay, or was like, consumable by Western media. And as much as that felt you know, good at the time, I felt sort of, like, accepted. I'm like, it's oh, it's okay, like, Mm -hmm. to be Chinese. It was, looking back on it, it was kind of a gross sentiment to be putting into a kid's head that, like, any more Asian than me was not, like, attractive. I think we know that because, like, we tried not to be our own race. Like, and there's no way you can do that. It's really hard because, like, I can't wear eye contact, like, you know, colored contact lenses and, like, dye my hair and, like, pretend to be a bit more white. Like, you know, like... There's nothing you can do because you look in the mirror every day, but that still fits with you where you're not completely, like, you're not, like, white, you know? You, like, you still have to fit in a box, but I think for us, we, like, there are people I know still to this day that try so hard, and it's, like, they're in their late 20s and... To try to be, like, less Asian. Yeah, and it's, it's really hard to tell them. I don't know, like, every day they wake up and they see themselves without makeup, they probably hate it, right? And so a lot of work goes into that. You know, there's some weird surgeries we've talked about on Mm, another episode and, like, to make your eyes bigger or, like, just to change your stuff. But it's interesting because you can't... I used to be like, oh, my God, mixed people are so lucky. Like, they could have two sides of themselves, right? Or, like, they could fit in so easily, but, like, whenever they need to pull, like, that Chinese out, that'd be sick, like, just mm-hmm. to have it, right? <laughs> yeah. But I now that I think about it, and I, I mean, speaking with my own friend, too, who is half Chinese and half, like, she would describe herself as a mutt in, like, mm-hmm. you're from Europe, but, like, right. she doesn't know where she stands, and that mm-hmm. led to a lot of, like, identity conflicts. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it was not even something that I realized wasn't, like, a normal experience until mm-hmm. I sort of came into my own in my mid-20s and started having more conversations about what it meant to mostly to be Asian because it was a I really didn't explore that until Mm -hmm. I kind of became an adult like I spent a lot of time being like yeah I'm Chinese but kind of like yeah like you two sort of like laughing about it yeah, yeah and like kind of like downplaying it and like you know, only really wanting to talk about it in the ways that were really palatable for people. Like, oh, yeah, you guys like Chinese food? Like, right, haha, right. my mom makes that. Like, whitewash. Like, like not, yeah. the, not yeah. the messy stuff. Yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah. no. And nothing that was, like, you know, scary or yes. different. Um, so I think it was just sort of as I became an adult and put myself into a place where I was learning more about being Chinese and thinking more about being Chinese that I realized that it had been, like, really confusing for me and I think even more so for my sister because um while I look pretty um Chinese I think I look quite half like I'm pretty Mm -hmm. recognizably half Mm -hmm. and my sister looks really um ambiguous so I think it was even more confusing to her her. yeah like you've seen photos of my sister I think you have you met my sister I haven't but I've seen photos of her yeah Yeah, she almost looks like she could be Latina yeah um both of our names are super white like Mm -hmm. my name is Sophie Frances Coleman like you don't expect a Chinese girl necessarily in the room her Mm -hmm. name's Maddie Coleman um and she looks sort of ambiguous so I was realizing looking back like how how much time we spent confused in it and I hadn't thought that it was different until I you know, reflected have you, like, on it. Talked to her about it, or now that you guys are in this place? Yeah, yeah, I have talked to her about it, and I actually, she was such a role model for me. I think, and I can only sort of assume, driven by the fact that she didn't almost have like the privilege of people recognizing her Asianness off mm-hmm. the jump, which I now recognize as 
a privilege to me, yeah, Um, to not have to explain myself. I mean, I think all of us in the room get the, like, where are you from, girl, like, question all the time. Like, where are you from, from? I'm third generation, so, like, I am actually from here. I think it was even more confusing to her, and she sort of threw herself in this exploration, I think, at a younger age. She's actually lived in Beijing for a series Mm -hmm. of months. She's learned Chinese. She's thrown herself into it, and I can only imagine that that pressure to um, connect with her Chinese culture was driven by, yeah, you know, not having that immediate, like, I don't think culture is recognized, mm-hmm. like, society is not recognizing her as Asian at every turn. Yeah. So she was a really big role model for me. I watched her start to do this, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a whole side of me. Like, I know so much about being Canadian. Yeah. I know so much about being white, honestly. Um, I remember you shared uh, when, like, we first started, Evie and I started putting our episodes, and, like, mm-hmm. Sophie had been, like, the most, like, champion. Like, I actually cried every yeah. episode. It was <laughs> so yeah. weird. On his screenshot, and sending to Evie every time it comes through. But, yeah, something that you said, um, I hope you're okay, like I'm sharing it yeah, but of course. you know obviously I've been more vocal about being Asian and what that means mm-hmm. and then you share that you felt more comfortable obviously sharing it with me because mm-hmm. like, I can share that part of the experience 100%. with you but you know there was side of you where you felt more uncomfortable sharing with like more of your white friends yes. and like you're the one kind of putting that barrier to like make that acceptable and yeah. like you know um yeah how would you say that, like that's changed now yeah I mean I was so inspired by this podcast because I recognized that yeah wow. we didn't pay her to say this okay <laughs> no Thank actually five stars for doing <laughs> I'm such a maiden stan it's like yeah. crazy but yeah, I just thought it was really cool because yeah like Jazz like you said I'm it's easy for me to talk to you or my other friends who are Asian or half and my sister and my family about it and um that's been such like an amazing part of my 20s, I think, is getting into those conversations and, like, forcing myself to think about it a bit more. And Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier with people who get it, who get the otherness of it. Um, But exactly, like, I have struggled at times having those conversations with white friends in my life who make up, like, a a large portion of the Mm -hmm. people in my life in work and in personal relationships and even in my family. Um, I really, like, struggled because... I think it's not a comfortable conversation for white people to always have. Because yeah. um, they always feel like they're going to say something wrong. Or yeah. Like, they tiptoe around it, Totally. Too. And, you know, versus, you know, I would speak to you about being Korean. You'd speak mm-hmm. to me about being Chinese with a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like if you didn't know something, you would just ask and not be embarrassed yeah. or feel ashamed to not know the answer. Because right. why would you be? Like, exactly. why would you know? Like, I don't know what this Korean dish is. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. Like, yeah. what does this mean to you? Mm-hmm. Um, versus, I think especially in recent culture, which has been amazing in conversations around race and forcing people to confront, um, you know, prejudices or biases that they've held. Mm -hmm. I think that there is a bit, and I can't, I know I'm generalizing, but I think there are some white people who are a bit defensive about it. I mean, I was 100% defensive. Like, do you remember when we were, we were walking down Ossington, like, a couple years ago, and these, like, drunk white dudes were yeah. like, hey, like, where are you guys from? And, like, my immediate reaction was, like, pull out every swear word and be like, yeah, yeah, stop yeah. talking, talking to me, whatever. And then Sophie was, like, this, like, calm angel being like, just say hello next time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. yeah that maybe too. That I can work. do that, too. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I don't blame you because, like, yeah. I'm also so yeah. sick of that. But, yeah, I just found, like, I sort of struggled. I had some, like, really people who are close to me who I have now tried to challenge myself to have conversations with where I found when I did try to confront the idea that I had lived a totally different life in them. Of course, I've grown up with all the privilege of being half and Mm -hmm. in Canada and, you know, financially stable and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But there still is an uncomfortable 
confrontation with privilege for white people to talk to you about why it was hard to be Asian. And Mm -hmm. I found some people extremely uncomfortable. And my my instinct, rather than pushing through it and being like, hey, no, this is important. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're uncomfortable means that, like, you probably more than anyone need to have this conversation because you don't know. Clearly, you don't know. Was to minimize that and to step away from it and not approach it with people who had had sort of weird run-ins with before. And yeah, that's a long-winded way of saying that this podcast was really inspiring because I thought it was really cool that you two were like putting this out here for everyone and to let everyone into your conversations was really cool and I don't always have those with everyone. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think it's really cool because, I mean, I've been watching a lot of stuff recently. I watched that Chelsea Handler thing. I didn't expect it to be good. Really? Oh, I haven't watched that. It's about confronting white people and white privilege, right? So she goes around and the whole idea of her making a documentary, I was just like, so she's going to make this documentary and try to save the world and I also hate that. Yeah, I'm like, stop, whatever. (laughs) But there were like interesting parts in it where She's just, like, speaking to a group of, like, four Republican white women about, mm-hmm. do you think white privilege exists? Like, blah, blah, you know, throwing stats. Like, you know how hard it is for black right. um, people to get into school, whatever. And they're like, I just don't think it exists. I think the conversation is just mm-hmm. really uncomfortable. And just like you said, I, with white friends, I used to just shy away from it. Yeah. I don't, I think I just pick and choose who I think I can talk to. And it's right. not always the easy ones. It's the ones that I care about and I invest my life in. It's like, right. if we're going to have a standoff and you're going to have to listen, it's because right. I care about you. And yeah, that's, and it's worth it. Yeah. yeah. When it's like someone off random, which is what happens on Twitter, mm. Facebook, people just start yelling at each other. It's not discourse. At that point, you're just dissing each other. Yeah. 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 Um, but I've had a hard time. I used to be like, yeah, you know, Chinese food. Ha ha. Like, yeah. it's great, whatever. <laughs> like, we can relate on that level where it's like, and even you, where we're mm-hmm. just like, talk good about our food because yeah. why is it bad? Like, it's the best thing ever. But right, like, right, right, right. When it comes to, being like, no, I actually did grow up differently. And mm-hmm. people being like, but you didn't. Like, I, I, you know, I grew up poor. I grew up this. And, like, this is a completely different oh, conversation. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's called, like, layers and, like, levels. And yes. you have a level that is, maybe you're, like, two-pronged in this one race conversation, right? Like, where for me, it's like, yeah, you're a woman. You're Asian. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm bi. Like, it, all this, all this yeah. stuff, it layers up. But at the end of the day, it's not about, like, poor like it, yes everyone has a horrible experience you could be poor you could grow up differently for sure but that is not the immediate jump to when you're trying to talk to someone right. earnestly about your race oh you know? for sure and I I did have some and I won't put anyone on blast but it's yeah. they, know, on blast. they know who they are for, if they're listening to this but just kidding I, people who are really close to me whose defensive reaction to me saying like have you thought about how challenging and the extra layer of challenge, like you said, these layers mm-hmm. that come with being, you know, an, a, a different race in your in your home country and, and have them be like, oh, you think life hasn't been hard for me? Like, yeah. life is hard for everybody, Everyone. but, like, you didn't do badly in school because you're white. You didn't get that illness because you're white. Like, mm-hmm. that. Uh, think about living a life that has all of life's, like, bullshit and all of us have you know, gone dumb, gone fired, have our parents get, you know, like all of that stuff. Like shit, shit sucks for everybody. But then this additional layer, I think is really uncomfortable for people to confront. And I think sometimes people in my life, I found that they try to like, not disprove their own privilege, but I don't know what it is. Even the playing failed by being like, hey, I get it. Like, my life sucks too. Yeah, like, because yeah, I have this, this, and but it's a totally different conversation. For sure. Yeah, for like, sure. For a white person, I'm like very safe to understand you will not understand what it is to be of a different race. Is no. that not fair, right? 100%. I, I 100% think yeah. so. No yeah. matter what. I, and I also like, and again, maybe this is just selective bias because I've surrounded myself with so many like 
cool, intelligent woman of color at this point mm-hmm. in my life, but I've also found a more general openness around my friends who've, you know, mm-hmm. experienced not these not white privileged lives right. to have empathy for other, mm-hmm. you know, other people's struggles. Like I, some of my friends who are most vocal about, um, you know, the treatment of black people in America or, you know, quote unquote illegal aliens in the States <laughs> have been my friends who are of color. And I right. think that it's sort of you experiencing that in your own life in some way makes you understand how challenging life is for people versus, you know, to be a white male growing up affluent in, in Canada, it's kind of hard to even open your mind right. to the idea that there are all of these things that affect the way you live. Yeah. I mean, not to say like walk like a mile in my own shoes, but like, I think like yeah. being empathetic and just being yeah. open and like, um, sharing their questions and like in a really, um, a soft way mm-hmm. and like not be defensive and I think it goes both ways like Evie and I've talked about it before like I see my immediate reaction is to be super defensive but like mm-hmm. they're generally asking right. inquisitive questions mm-hmm. like right. the best I can do is try to explain to them and like yeah at the end of the day Betty walking down the street with blonde hair is not going to understand that like my for parents sure. were never around because they for had sure. to run a convenience store and that's how they showed me love but like for them to even like listen to the episode watch right uh, Miss Kim's convenience like right. just to be aware and know that you know not everyone has this I think is like a that's really like allyship like that's all yeah. you need to do is yeah. listen and like listening is so important it's like a big part of this conversation and one thing that I want to say even as a Chinese like Chinese woman I could mm-hmm. think oh my life sucks like I have it out hard out here but like I can't like when I speak to my friend who's Muslim she wears hijab mm-hmm. a woman like that for sure for her to be earning like she's so strong for even keeping it on she's had instances where her mom's like I just wish you wouldn't wear it so you won't mm. her be, mom said that yeah because it's really wow. scary and like yeah. her mom's been had her hijab ripped off in the airport mm. and the fact that she every day walks to work as a journalist and like does her shit like that is something I can't I, I can only listen to it, right? I'm not going right. to be like, but guess what? Like, I'm Asian yeah. and let me tell you why. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I never feel like I, I need to or want to do that, right? Like, For you just sure. want to listen. So I think, yeah, white people listening to this or wh- whatever. <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's just like the facts of listening, you know? Mm. Listening is yeah. just super, super important. For sure. And um, sorry, I had like, while I was thinking about this, all, all this, I had this really question just popped into my head you said you're third generation Canadian Mm -hmm. so it's weird because you're kind of prescribed in this life that you are Canadian like yeah I know my mom's from Hong Kong I'm born here but like I still feel that connection like oh she's directly from Hong Kong so I know I'm not really from here like in my head that's how I feel and as you as someone who came here later you're Canadian but you can see oh my mom doesn't speak my mom doesn't speak perfectly English and like I see where I am from but someone who is actually born here like generations Mm -hmm. how weird is it growing up knowing that you're not like the Canadian that people like maybe when you were young or whatever prescribed to like you're mm-hmm. like are you sure you're Canadian like the fact that you still get asked <laughs> right. questions right? yeah and I'm like so Canadian I'm more Canadian than some like European friends yes, that yes. I have you know yeah. yeah I think that added an extra layer to it and I think that again my my mom similarly to my sister in her youth actually moved to China and spent time like living and working there and like reconnecting with her roots because mm-hmm. she was a couple degrees separated from China. I think that just having them in my life has been so inspirational and seeing that while my generations upon generations really just do root me in British Columbia, basically, mm-hmm. that you can find your own way to connect with the country. Like I I really do look forward to spending more time in my life. Um, being in China, understanding China, like allowing myself to be uncomfortable there. I don't speak Cantonese. I don't speak Mandarin. Mm -hmm. I would love to like task myself with that because I think it has, 
it, it's kind of funny because it's kind of twofold. When I was younger, I think I kind of, when I was trying to be more white, mm-hmm. I think I liked that I was, like, third generation, like, yeah. as a tool R- to distance removed. myself. Yeah. 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 And be like, oh, no, no, like, yeah. I'm not even actually Chinese. And then as I've gotten older, and again, as I'm saying, in my 20s, the amount of time I've spent really wanting to reconnect with that that side of my life. Yeah, she's the one who dragged me to go watch The Farewell. Yeah, yeah I'm like, I'm amazing. so engaged. I'm yeah. just so engaged in it. I think it's actually been sort of to my detriment because, yeah, yeah like, I, I, it's the most, it's where the idea of being not Asian enough and not Canadian yeah. enough is clearest because right. I am so Canadian but don't look Canadian. I'm not from Canada, you know? Yeah. Like, if you look back that far, it's yeah. been really challenging for me to find a way to connect with it when I... My mom and my family have done their best to, like, preserve the culture. We have a lot of um, pieces of Chinese culture that have always been in my life. Watching The Farewell with Mm -hmm. jazz, like, there was a lot of pieces that I... Actually almost helped me understand the way Mm -hmm. my mom, like, interacts with me. And I just, like, watching her the way her mom was angry with her. Yeah. And which, from a Western landscape, was has always been really challenging for me for to understand. Sure. And she will just really weird, yes. won't talk to me. And then when she does talk to me, it's like this really brusque, like, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. I don't get it because I'm, you know, we're Canadian. We're all like feelers talk and talkers yeah. exactly, yeah. and hand holders. Yeah, yeah. And it was always really hard for me. And I think like, yeah, I've been trying to consume so much culture because the farewell, there was a ton of things in there that actually did feel like home to me. And then mm-hmm. there were, were, were things that I actually hadn't, understood really until I saw yourself yeah Yeah. started consuming things and were like oh I hadn't recognized that as part of Chinese Mm -hmm. culture but like I get it that's why my grandma made sure we all ate before anybody you know like that's yeah yeah Yeah, how was it like growing up did your is your mom so second generation Mm -hmm. Chinese does that mean she was came here when she she was born here as well my mom was born here okay yeah so then how was it like growing up in a household where your dad was white and your mom was Chinese but then also maybe she felt a bit removed maybe Mm. growing up in Canada or like in a western community as well like how was it that did they do you guys celebrate like Chinese New Mm -hmm. Year or Mm -hmm. was your dad like you guys had Christmas yeah Christmas and Chinese New Year (laughs) which was like sick as a kid I just had like double double holidays for everything and like got to take the day off for Chinese New Year which I still try to do at work sometimes that's nice Um, but yeah I would say that it was less confusing than you'd think because my mom tasked herself with staying so connected and because I have always been super close with my Chinese grandparents Mm -hmm. and we've always um they used to live on Vancouver Island when I lived in Vancouver so we were with them a lot we spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time with them and they upheld a lot of like they were definitely westernized in a lot of ways but definitely upheld a lot of sort of cultural norms around the amount of time family spends all Mm -hmm. together this like intense family time this like familial guilt to spend time together so many tables at like dinner oh my god yeah buy out the restaurant four tables at dim sum like you're not even talking to anyone you just have to (laughs) be there so I was actually really I think it was a blessing my mom like really did her best and I'm would actually love to talk to her now but I'm I'm sure that she was conscious of raising two mixed race kids and mm-hmm. wanting to make sure that Chinese culture Stay. was more a part of our lives. Yeah. yeah, because recognizing that we were going to grow up so Western in so many ways. And my dad was like along for the ride. Like he, you know, he did yeah. his best. I'll like, be there. He yeah, like envelopes. I, <laughs> no, but like <laughs> no money. No. And I, I think like it's. I, we were joking about Chinese food being like the the l- least scary way to talk about um, it's so true. about mm-hmm. chi- about Asian culture, but mm-hmm. I think like 
you know, I'm thinking from my dad's standpoint, there was like no, I'm sure he got sick of like being with her family and the family right, drama for right. sure. But all the other parts are like great. So celebratory, yeah. mm-hmm. so much of a, you know, a family feel so much yeah. eating and um, yeah, just, you know, the sort of the like the love languages of being Chinese, I, yes. I think are all beautiful. So I can't see that it was much Agreed. of a disadvantage. You're so loved. You got love from Asian loves and yeah, white loves. <laughs> no, yeah, for my friend, I think a lot of it is uh, she took care of her grandma every day. Mm. And that's why she can speak Chinese, uh, yeah. Cantonese way better than I can, which is a shock to everybody. She can yeah. speak really well. like uh-huh. And like we, she introduced me to my hairdresser who's in Chinatown who only speaks Chinese. And I was like, honestly, like it's weird that a mixed race person is poking me up on this, but yeah. whatever. So but cool. Her mom was just like, her dad was like, whatever, but her mom was like, you gotta go to Chinese school. You right, gotta do this right. like, to preserve everything. Like, it's like to make sure she's like that. And I think we get along on this level where it's like so giving. I don't know if you notice that in the farewell. And I mm-hmm, find this yeah. with Korean families too, where it's not just about yourself. That's why you have to be at the four table totally. situation because you just gotta be there for everyone else. It's yeah. not like you don't get to complain. It's not about you, it's about the family. For sure. Yeah. So that's a part of. The farewell that I was like, oh, that is so my family. Like, right. you never like have to say feelings are weird, right? Like, yeah. like my mom, I'll never see her <laughs> break down and be like, weird. I'm mad and I'm gonna go to my like. She'll never do that. She always thinks about me first and right. then my brother. And if she's really feeling a thing, she'll like hide it from me. It's yeah, like, she'll like shut it. down. Oh my yeah. God, my mom's yeah, the same. opposite. <laughs> she's right. she goes into every room and like <laughs> tells the open walls. the door. Yeah. <laughs> I love that because me too. Yeah. <laughs> Love to. That'd be really amazing. But yeah, I'm envy. I'm envious of your friend. That's so cool. I'm so. Should we start you on Duolingo? Yeah, I honestly need like, help. Need I, help. Would, I need help. I would honestly love to. And I've had like friends who are not Chinese start taking like Cantonese or Mandarin classes because it's such a relevant language to like business yeah. and you know just being an international yeah. citizen well, of the world. Yeah. And I've been like, oh shit. <laughs> I like kind of speak French. Like, yeah. is your middle name really not Luan? Liang. So Liang. my sister and I, um, as part it's of... It's not a Chinese last name. Yeah, it's my mom's last name. Oh, she never changed it. it. Right. And my sister and I, honestly, in the past couple of years, we've talked about it forever. We call ourselves Liangs, but um, I think my sister is a journalist as well. She's extremely cool. Actually, you're getting the... Way cooler than so like to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like to talk about Asian culture, but... Um, my sister actually started doing it because she's a journalist, mm-hmm. um, and she really... It just her name is in byline so often that I think and she writes a lot about Asian culture she's very intellectually cool. curious about Asian I need culture to read this. Yeah. oh I'll send you this yes, amazing article she did on like punk culture and Chinese restaurants in San Francisco and like oh yeah cool. she's Whoa. extremely cool yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, when is she available I know <laughs> literally I'm so sorry that you're talking to me but, um, her and I talked about it for a while and I think it was even more something she wanted to do because recognizing that her name was showing up connected to articles on being an Asian woman and yeah. not that she needed the legitimacy we she knows that she's of Chinese course. but she just wanted to feel that much more more connected and on yeah. paper I can see how that might not like does give her the leg up in the industry like sure I'm like you and I talked about like has anyone been able to get like a job because you know in mm. some workforces you do need diversity, diversity. so like do I really change <laughs> right. up my Korean name to Heyrin instead of Jasmine yeah. so I get the job like a I'd be so nervous like, like these are the thoughts that are so yeah real. I'm like for sure throw my loss like, yeah. no, I'm like no no yeah, so yeah, yeah I mean like it's I'm actually curious because I was, I was talking to someone recently who said that his girlfriend and she's 
East Asian, I think, mm-hmm. um, and has like a quote unquote like ethnic sounding last name. Mm-hmm. So when she was applying for jobs and having difficulties, she changed her last name to her boyfriend's last name. This person yeah. I was talking to, so just like married her boyfriend e- on resume. Yeah, and wow. she immediately and she got, got job interviews. Oh, that's so. There is a there is a study on that. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah, yeah. it's really Ooh. awkward. But we were like, you know what? Fuck it. We're Leungs. Okay. We've yeah. always known ourselves to be Leungs. Like, let's put it in our name. That's amazing. Yeah. Um. I mean, just to kind of end I don't know if you guys have seen Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner. Have you seen that yet? What is that? that? It's with David Chang, the chef, and he goes around. I know, he's doing too much. He's booked and busy. Yeah. But I was, like, watching the show. The first episode's in Vancouver. Oh, with Seth Seth Rogen. Rogen. Someone was talking to me about this. And I was uh, thinking, and he was like, oh, I basically grew up Asian because there's so many Asian people in my class, and Mm. I grew up eating Asian food, and Asians are so accepted, blah, 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 whatever. So I was, like, listening to this, and I was like, is this really true and then David Chang's like it's so nice in Vancouver everyone accepts everyone I'm like I don't know if this is actually a real thing what do you think I also don't think that you can grow up Asian just because you're eating Asian yeah food. Like, you're a Jewish <laughs> man yeah I know. yeah He's like, like Shout out, but like you're a white dude. Like, <laughs> shut yeah. the fuck up. Yeah. Like, in the Breakfast Club, when uh, she's eating sushi, I never thought that was weird because everyone oh eats my sushi. God. And I was like, I don't, I think you're in a bubble. And I think it's different if you're Asian. Yeah. So I was like, watching it. So I need you guys to watch it and give me like a lowdown later on to see okay. what's going on. If this is really true about Vancouver. And then. Second episode, he's with Chrissy Teigen in Morocco. Yeah. Oh, cool. Who is, like, resident. She's, she's a Thai. Thai. Yeah. yeah. And you can see, like, they have a bond like no other mm. because of their her half-Asian-ness. And, like, they just get each other when yeah. they're walking. It's, like, the basically the show you spend the whole day together, which, for me, freaks me the fuck out. I That's never want to really spend fun. a whole day. I know, but you're social. And I'm, like, sometimes an introvert. So, um, but you can see, like, they bond off, like, their Asian-ness. Right. Which is, like, something that's unseen. But to mm-hmm. me, I'm, like, that would be my homie. Just knowing... Like your half, or like oh yeah, your sure. like I just know, sure. you know. Anytime yeah. like there's a new Asian girl that works at Aritzia, and I'm like Korean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a real thing. Yeah, yeah it's a real thing. There's like an instant bond. Yeah. No, you gotta watch each other's back. That's it. Okay, For fine. sure. I'll watch that and I'll let you know. Yeah, uh, please. Sophie, any last words before we wrap up this? beautiful episode no i'm just like so excited to be here thanks so much for having me on yay we're gonna have more guests on too but honestly so honored that you're our first guest yeah i hope you should be honored i am on your bio yeah yeah even though i'm saying like where's your sis yeah but what's okay i'm just kidding i like you more (laughs) just kidding okay well thanks for listening to maiden Follow us on Instagram at imaiden underscore and email us your thoughts, feels, advice, or all of the above at hi imaiden.com. Bye. 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 See you.